Welcome to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, a primitive Baptist ministry declaring the good news of the finished work of salvation by grace alone. This weekly radio program is brought to you by Elder Joe Nettles, pastor of Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church in Caledonia, Mississippi, and Elder David Wise, pastor of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church in Ackerman, Mississippi. We now invite you to stay tuned for our message this morning. Good morning and welcome to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast. This is Elder David Wise here with you this morning, and we would like to welcome you on behalf of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, where I pastor at 11 Staten Road in Ackerman, Mississippi. And we'd also like to invite you on behalf of Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church and their pastor, Elder Joe Nettles. And we partner in this program, and both of our churches meet every Sunday morning at 10:30 a.m. and we'd love to have you come and see us and also if you are looking for a worship opportunity in the middle of the week we would heartily invite you to come to New Covenant Church in Starkville, Mississippi, 200 West Garrett Road and we use their facility on Wednesday night and have a worship service beginning at 6 p.m. followed by supper. So we would love to have you come out and worship with us if you are not in the North Mississippi area, we would certainly direct you to our website to find a Primitive Baptist Church directory to find a church that may be closer to you. And we'd invite you to go to our website, gospel-of-grace.com. Be sure and subscribe and check out that website for past messages and for links to our podcast. And you can also go to macedonia-pbc.org. That's Macedonia's website, and we have a lot of past sermons, both from the radio and from Sunday sermons, on the website that we hope can be edifying to you. If you do listen, we would love to hear from you. We'd love to know that you're out there, so please contact us with the information that is on the radio website. Today, we'd like to continue our thoughts on spiritual warfare and now shift focus to our defenses. We've spent a lot of time focusing on our enemy, and now we want to look at the defenses that the Lord has given us in the Word of God against our enemies in the spiritual warfare, and we certainly hope the Lord will bless the consideration of that this morning. We would invite you to stay with us, and we will play that for you right after the song.
Good morning and welcome again to the Gospel of Grace. This is Elder David Wise here with you. And during my time on the program, we've been considering for quite a while now a series on spiritual warfare and the unseen battle that we engage in every day with Satan and with our enemies and with our flesh. And we spent a lot of time focusing on our enemies. We needed a good scouting report of our enemies to understand their tactics and and hopefully those messages have given you instruction and knowledge to have you better equipped to be able to fight a good fight of faith. We certainly hope that has been the case. So now that we've spent a good bit of time looking at our enemies and the negative, now let's look at the positive. Let's look at our defenses and the protection that we have. And God is so gracious to protect his people. He's given us everything at our disposal to where we can be successful in this good fight of faith. Now, it was probably last year, we spent a whole nother series going through the whole armor of God from Ephesians chapter 6. And we, we went through each of those seven components of the armor of God individually. And I would encourage you to go to gospel-of-grace.com or macedonia-pbc.org and listen to those messages. So one of our greatest defenses is obviously the armor of God. And we want to just read those verses for you as a reminder, but we would also direct you to those websites to listen to those messages where we deal with it more in depth. Ephesians chapter 6 and in verse 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye may be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. So there we have the seven components of the armor of God that we dealt with in detail with each of those individually. And again, we would direct you to those websites to listen to those messages because I do think that they would be beneficial for you to have a more in-depth understanding of the armor of God, which is arguably our most important defense against the wiles of Satan. We have similar language regarding the weapons of our warfare in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 and 6. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exhausteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought unto the obedience of Christ. So remember, our weapons are appropriate for the task. They are everything that we need to withstand the wiles of the devil. We just have to make sure that we put it on, right? We have to be vigilant to put on the whole armor of God and protect ourselves. Another verse that's very important to consider in this discussion is James chapter 4 and verse 7. Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. 
So submit to God, abide close to the Lord. Jesus talks, particularly in John chapter 15, about abiding in him. Well, if you're walking closely with Jesus, if you're abiding in Jesus, then that's not a place that the devil wants to be. Satan doesn't want to be close to Jesus. So if you submit yourselves to God and you walk closely hand in hand with Jesus every day, Satan's going to back away from you, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And we are thankful for that promise. So for the remainder of the program today, we would like to focus on one specific aspect of God's defense of his people in the spiritual warfare against Satan, against our enemies, and that defense being a hedge of protection around his people. We spent a good time looking at Satan and his origin and his viciousness, and he's a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, but never lose sight of the fact that Satan and the unclean spirits in the kingdom of darkness, they only have as much ability and authority as Jesus Christ sees fit to give them. So don't ever think that this is a spiritual warfare and Satan's battling and that the outcome is in doubt. We're thankful to have the book of Revelation where we know at the end of time, not only has Satan's head already been crushed that was prophesied way back in the Garden of Eden, it's already been crushed by the seed of the woman. He's already been defeated. He, he has been struck a fatal blow on his head. But we also know that the devil and the beast and the false prophet are going to be cast in the lake of fire at the end of time, and they will be defeated. It's good to know that, right? It's good to be reminded in the midst of the heat of the warfare to know that we're on the winning side. And another thing to be reminded of is that Satan only has as much ability and authority to act in this world and to afflict and challenge God's people. He only has as much authority as God gives him. We see this depiction in the book of Revelation that after Jesus has been on the cross and from Revelation 12, Satan has been cast down. He's been destroyed as being the accuser of the brethren. He has no rightful authority to accuse the brethren before God anymore. He's cast down in conjunction with that, at least from my interpretation and understanding of Revelation chapter 20, and the thousand years and the binding of Satan, I believe that that thousand years began at the establishment of the kingdom of God and the death of Jesus Christ. And Satan is restricted in a way that he was not restricted in the Old Testament. We're going to go to the book of Job and see that he roamed to and fro everywhere he went. He, he went with the sons of men to present themselves before God. But I think that now that the kingdom of heaven has taken precedent and not the kingdoms of men, Satan has been restricted from the type of influence that he used to have. And it's my interpretation of Revelation 20 that that's not a total binding. Instead, he's restricted. He's restricted in what sense? He's shut up and sealed that he should deceive the nations no more. Then you have this thousand-year period, this figurative period, not a literal thousand-year period, but a thousand years that we're in the middle of, which is the kingdom age. It's the kingdom where the kings and priests are reigning with Jesus Christ, and we're reigning and ruling with him in the kingdom of God right here and right now. But then there's going to come a time prior to the second coming of the Lord. There's going to be a great falling away, and there's going to be just apathy in the whole world, but even among God's people. 
and Satan will be loosed for a period of time that he can go out and deceive the nations again. That's when you have the rise of the man of sin. And later on in Revelation 20, Gog and Magog, they surround God's people. And then that's when Jesus comes back the second time and consumes the earth and casts them into the lake of fire. The point of that, though, is Satan is restricted in his ability to do anything apart from God suffering him to do that. So he's not out of control. No, God has him on a chain. Now, there's a sense in which that chain will be loosed for a little season and go back out and deceive the nations. But even when we find when that happens and the man of sin comes to power in Revelation 17, it's talking about that consolidation of power and the man of sin having 10 kingdoms that are going to give power to him at the last day. And that looks like a situation that everyone's against God. This is Revelation 17. They're making war with the Lamb, and the Lamb shall overcome them. He's making war with the saints, and it'll feel like, no doubt, in that day that things are just out of control, and God must have lost control of this universe. They must be doing these things on their own. But it says, even in this circumstance where Satan has been loosed, the man of sin has come into power, they have consolidated power, those 10 kingdoms gave power to him. It says this in Revelation 17 and verse 17, for God hath put in their hearts to fulfill his will and to agree and give their kingdom unto the beast until the words of God shall be fulfilled. So even when we see this last day where the man of sin is coming, the only reason why the man of sin is able to come and be manifested and be revealed and receive that power we find that in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, the only reason why he's allowed to do that is not because he's a very impressive man that has better schemes to get control than man had in the past. People have been wanting to rule the world ever since the Roman Empire, but why haven't they? Because the kingdom of heaven, Daniel chapter 2, has taken precedence and consumed those other kingdoms, and it has ruled the world. But there have been men that have been trying to, to take over the world ever since then. But they haven't been allowed to. Why? Because God won't allow it. But then there's going to come a time where the language it uses in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 7, now he that letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And what that means is that God is restricting the wicked devices of men from totally taking over the world. Why is it that Hitler wasn't able to take over the world? One of the main reasons why is that the providential hand of God has not suffered that to occur yet. Now, there's going to come a time where he that letteth will let. But the reason why Hitler was defeated was because God has Satan and sin controlled here in this world to restrict them from all of the wickedness that they really desire to do. And even when he suffers them to do things, Understand, they are not beyond God's sovereign authority here in this world. They're only doing what God suffers them to do. And we would like to look at that primarily from the book of Job. But as we're turning to the book of Job, I want to 
have a brief little stop in Isaiah chapter 5. Here in Isaiah chapter 5, we have this depiction of a vineyard, which I think is a beautiful picture of the church here in the vineyard of my Lord. I love to live and labor, and we certainly are thankful for that. It has this picture of the vineyard, which I think is pointing primarily toward the church. And he says here in Isaiah chapter 5 and in verse 1, Now will I sing to my well-beloved a song of my beloved, touching his vineyard. My well-beloved hath a vineyard in my fruitful hill. But notice this. And he fenced it and gathered the stones out of it. He put a tower in it. He made a wine press, et cetera, et cetera. But that's what I wanted to note is that this vineyard, God's vineyard of his church, God has put a fence around it. And when we talk about a hedge of protection, that's literally what we're talking about. It's a fence. It's a fence that people can't go beyond unless God suffers them to go beyond that fence. And that's what we find in the book of Job. Here in this first chapter, we're introduced to Job, who's a man that feared God and eschewed evil, good, godly man. And we find here in Job chapter 1 and verse 6 that Satan comes with the sons of God to present himself unto the Lord. And then he said, where'd you come from, Satan? And Satan said, from going to and fro in the earth, from walking up and down in it. And then the Lord actually offers up Job, interestingly enough. Satan didn't bring up Job. Satan knew about Job. Satan knew all about him. We're going to find out he'd been trying to attack him for years. But God had prevented him from doing that because he had put up a providential hedge to protect and bless Job, who was a very godly and a righteous man. And before we go any further, I want to note that God protects all of his children, and we're very thankful for that. But the more godly we live, the broader of a hedge that God will put around you, if you'll let me put it like that. We look at people that are disobedient in the Old Testament, we think about Lot, and we think about Samson, and we think about King Saul. Well, God removed, especially King Saul and Lot, God removed to a large degree a hedge of protection from them. God removed his presence from them. Now, they're still children of God that are in heaven, but God removed that hedge because of sin and because of disobedience. One of the reasons why God put this blessed hedge around Job is because in verse 1, of Job chapter 1, he was a perfect and an upright man that feared God and eschewed evil. He prayed for his children, and he, he was godly in his business dealings, and God blessed his businesses and his holdings to grow. So understand, God has a providential hedge here in this world, and I believe that God will always bless us with a larger providential hedge when we're obedient. That just makes sense, doesn't it? It makes sense that we're going to be better protected the closer we are to the shepherd. The, the closer that we are to Jesus Christ as the great shepherd and closer we are to the, to the flock, we're going to be better protected. But it's when that, the, when that sheep goes astray, right? It's when that sheep gets lost. That's when they have a, lo a longer proximity of distance between them and the shepherd. That's when the wolf comes after that lost sheep, doesn't it? So understand, there's a providential hedge when we're walking close to Jesus. But when we're living in disobedience, now praise God, God never will fully lead and forsake his children here in this world. He can bring any prodigal son back, back to the father's house. And praise God for that. But understand, you put yourself in great danger when you live in sin because you're removing yourself 
from a closeness of proximity to the shepherd and you're removing yourself from the protections of God's providential hedge. So this was not arbitrary. One of the reasons why God had this special hedge around Job was because he was such a godly man, because he lived so godly. And I certainly pray that we can live godly enough that God would want to protect us and protect our witness. And that's one of the reasons why he did that, is to protect the witness of Job. But now he removes that hedge for a purpose to manifest his sovereignty, I believe, manifest his sovereignty over Satan and over sickness and over false accusations that we see later in the book of Job. And then Job is purified in the midst of that. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. And then obviously the Lord blessed Job twice as much in the end as he did in the beginning. So God removed the hedge for a purpose. But the point I want us to really see from this is that Satan could not do anything more than God suffered him to do. And that's one of the things we really need to be reminded of. And Satan does not have total authority. Satan cannot go beyond the providential hedge of God. So the Lord brings up Job. Hast thou considered my servant Job? This is in verse 8 that there's none like him in the earth. And oh, that we would live godly enough that the Lord would have this kind of commendation of us. This is the Lord saying that he's a perfect and an upright man. He fears God and eschews evil. And then Satan answered the Lord, doth Job fear God for naught? Hath thou not put a hedge about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands and his substance is increased in the land. But put forth thine hand now and touch all that he hath and he will curse thee to his face. And then the Lord said to Satan, behold, all that he hath is in thy power only upon himself put not forth thine hand and then Satan went forth into the presence of the Lord. And then the rest of the chapter, he sends people to destroy the servants and the livestock and the possessions of the business holdings of Job. Then there was a great wind that comes and destroys the house that Job's 10 children were in and they all die. So look what happens when God's providential hedge is removed just a little bit. And I want you to notice that God put a hedge around Job individually. He put a hedge around his house and all that he had. And he had a hedge around his children. You know, your children may be not living the best life right now, and Job was concerned about that. He prayed for them because he wanted to make sure that they had an offering if they had done anything foolishly. But I want you to notice that his children had a hedge of protection around them because of Job. You can impact the hedge of other people. Understand that. Your diligence and faithfulness to pray for them and pray for God to protect us from the evil. As it says in the Gospel of John, Jesus said, I, I don't pray that you take them out of the world, but Lord, deliver them from the evil. And that's our prayers, that we would be delivered from the evil. But you have loved ones and friends that God can put a hedge of protection round about them because of your diligence to pray for them, even if they're not being as faithful as they are. So the Lord here suffers Satan to afflict the rest of his life, but he said, now you can't, but you can't touch Job. You can't touch Job. So then that didn't work. That didn't work. He didn't turn on God. Instead, he had this amazing proclamation in verse 21. Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked I shall return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So Satan's first attempt didn't work. So then Satan comes back the second time. 
And the Lord brings up Job again. And Satan says in verse four, skin for skin, yea, all that a man hath, he will give for his life. Put forth thine hand now and touch his bone and his flesh and he will curse thee to his face. And the Lord said, behold, he is in thine hand, but save his life. So first of all, Satan could not get to Job, his house or anything about him because God put a hedge. In chapter one, he removed the hedge away from everything but Job. And then Satan comes back the second time, and then the Lord removes the hedge from Job physically, but Satan did not have the authority to take his life. So understand, Satan was only allowed to do what God suffered him to do. And then after God removed that hedge for a period of time, aren't you glad for the beautiful testimony of Job chapter 42? <laughs> aren't you glad that Job doesn't only have 41 chapters? And we find out in, in Job 42, Job confesses his sin before God. He prays for his friends. And then we find out that the Lord blessed Job twice as much in the end as he did in the beginning. But understand from this story of the book of Job that Satan was only allowed to do what God suffered him to do. He could go no further than God suffered him. And the same is true today. Satan does not have unlimited authority in any area of this world. No, God has put up hedges around his people. He's put a hedge around his church. And that is why, by the way, that the church will stand until the second coming of the Lord. If it was up to Satan, he would have devoured the church long ago, right? But no, God has put a sovereign providential hedge around his church that the church will not be destroyed because it will be in the church that God will be glorified throughout all ages, world without end, amen. And who are the members of that church? We are the members of that church, right? So God has put a hedge around his people to protect us from the wiles of Satan. And one of the main ways that he uses to put a hedge around his people is angels. And that's what we hope to consider next time is the angelic defenses and the angelic intervention. And we find that all throughout scripture as well, that God puts a hedge of angels around his people that protect them from the wiles of Satan. So praise God for his providential hedge and live close to the Lord, right? As the child of God, as the sheep of the Lord, live close to the shepherd, Live close to the shepherd and you will be protected. Don't put yourself in danger by straying away from the flock and straying away from the protection of our great shepherd, Jesus Christ. We certainly hope that this message has been a blessing to you today. If it has been, we give God the glory for that. And we invite you to tune in next week at the same time. Until then, we pray the Lord will richly bless you. If you enjoy the messages you hear on the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, we invite you to visit a Primitive Baptist Church in your community. To find a Primitive Baptist Church near you, to listen to past messages online, and to find further contact information, you can visit our website at gospel-of-grace.com. 
You can also find our program on iTunes under podcast entitled The Gospel of Grace, a primitive radio broadcast. If you listen and enjoy our program, we would love to hear from you. You may contact us by email at gospelofgracepb at gmail.com. This program is produced by Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church, 40283 Wolf Road, Caledonia, Mississippi, and Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, 11 Staten Road, on Highway 15, just north of Ackerman, Mississippi. We would love for you to come and worship with us each Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. We invite you to tune in again next week for another message from the Gospel of Grace. Until next time, we pray God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus our Lord. Wonderful the grace of